All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! This show show explores television content that's been available for consumption for quite some time. If a spoiler or two slips into the conversation, well, you were warned. Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. I watched that last Raptors game last Friday, and my buddy um, invited me to watch it because he's really into it. And uh, he also has this sense that I'm really into it. Like, he knows where I stand with sports. Right. But, like, he really... I mean, we don't need an excuse to hang out, but, like, he always says, like, if, if it ever comes up that sports aren't my thing, he'll always, like, interject and be like, but you like basketball. Right. <laughs> and I'd be like, I guess. <laughs> Basketball's not really my thing. Either. No, you've kind of projected that onto me, yeah. but sure, okay. You it's... have no problem, though, getting into any sport. I think you kind of do like sports. You just, if you picked a team and just watched them all through a year, I think you'd really like them. Well, here's the thing. I, I think I think that there's this sense that because I, like, publicly am not – following sports that i'm like um in contempt of sports which isn't true no i i think it's great like i'm not i'm not like screaming oh it's war it's sanitized war on a court no i i I get like the community of sports i just don't have the the heart to like follow along and like I, i see i see people like walk into the office or into a classroom the day after their team has lost, and I just don't ever want to feel that way. <laughs> like, it's you just, think there's too much despair. It's hard enough to be a person in this world. <laughs> so you're just like, I don't need that that sad feeling in my life. Anymore. That sounds like a melodramatic explanation of my detachment from sports, but that's honestly like the heart of it. Like, wow. I, I I don't I don't want to get too close right <laughs> that's funny because yeah. yeah when you watched i remember watching a hockey game with you yeah. that hockey game that i threw a remote across the room that was the famous uh leafs bruins game yeah. yeah and bruins ended up winning which is the team i was cheering for yeah i know see that's funny because like every single one of my friends other than you is a leafs fan right and they still bring up that infamous game yeah but it's like a real point of, and, of, of anguish for them and you remember it and it's funny because toronto fans hate boston fans but boston fans are like yeah whatever it's an iconic uh, game now right like i think so yeah yeah, yeah definitely because that was the first time they made the playoffs in however many years and yeah. just tanked i know yeah no i watched that game and i got into it like if i go to a a Mooseheads game i i can get into it and i i went mm-hmm. to this uh i went to the sports bar last week with duncan to watch the the raptors play and we have our own tv at the table right right and uh i was just mesmerized i was just like even though we we're getting like trashed right um, I just became guilty just now of doing a thing that I really hate, which is when people use personal pronouns to talk about the sports team that they're rooting for. Like, oh, we lost last night. You didn't do shit. Oh, actually. yeah. I do that all the time. I just did it, too. I refer yeah. to the Raptors as we. Oh, I thought you when you said we were getting trashed, I thought you meant you were getting drunk. Oh, we also did that. Okay. <laughs> no, I meant, like, the Raptors got, got like, completely garbaged. Right. Um, but it was still, it was just, it was mesmerizing. And I think maybe because, and this is like a rudimentary um, perspective on a game involving LeBron James, but it was just like, it was a spectacle to watch that person perform. Yeah. Because he is an unbelievable athlete. You know what? You actually should watch the game tonight if it's not on at like 11 o'clock. Because between Steph Curry and LeBron James, like Steph Curry is just like a wizard with the ball and will just like drive to the hoop and throw up this crazy shot. And I'll also just take really like insane threes mm-hmm. and sink them like every time and lebron can do that but can also dunk and it's i couldn't it's believe be, it i couldn't be believe it. it 
He's going to do Space Jam 2. LeBron is. That's a real thing. Yeah, I heard that. When's that supposed to come out? I don't know. It's just like in early talks. I don't understand how they can make Space Jam without it being exactly like the first Space Jam. <laughs> it was so, thinking back on it, it was so ridiculous. Yeah. And like, are they just going to like tell the same story? But who had the rights to... Who who pitched that? <laughs> <laughs> what if I get Bill Murray? Then are you on board? Yes. Yeah. If you can get Bill Murray to do this ridiculous movie Space Jam, sure. Well, And, uh... and it's not like... The Looney Tunes were at the height of popularity at that point. They also haven't been since then. Like, yeah. This is the other thing is that, like, I can remember watching Bugs Bunny on Sunday morning, and even then it was 30 years old. Yeah. But I don't know if kids today have that on, like, Teletoon or whatever. So if, if are they going to be inclined to watch LeBron James and Bugs Bunny in a movie together? They Honestly, I think LeBron James will bring them there, and then they'll, like, develop the, the like for... The Looney Tunes. It's also funny to me, like, thinking back as an adult, that they decided to, like, retell the tale of why Michael Jordan stopped playing pro basketball, which, like, behind the curtain is definitely because of all his gambling, right? Like, that's, yeah. okay, that's so absolutely why he stopped playing basketball. There, there's a whole theory that he was suspended yeah. for gambling on his own team. And meanwhile, this is in a year where I know in, in Space Jam, I think they talk about it, his dad dies. His dad oh. was murdered. What? Yeah. Oh. And they say there's no connection to, to gambling or anything. But you got to wonder. It's just so funny to me. Like, cause you would, like, and maybe, maybe it's that these rumors and, and, or just the truth has come out like um, retroactively. I don't know. I wasn't around really to, to follow the, the entertainment news or the sports news in like 1996 or whenever Space mm, Jam right. came out. But like, it's funny to me that the whole crux of Space Jam is that Michael Jordan has to leave the NBA because he's lost his powers. Right. But no, it's actually, he was, he was suspended for gambling. Well, covertly gambling. Like they don't, he, they say that he just took a year off. Yeah, that and, didn't happen. And went and played. <laughs> yeah, in like the height of his career. No. I don't think so. But he went to play pro baseball. That was the th- he was in the MLB not, for a while. Not pro baseball. He played like in like basically the farm league. Okay. So bas- the minors kind of underneath. Right. And then he golfed a lot. And he golfed a lot. And I think he still golfs a lot. And I think he gambles on like every hole. He might be. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's okay when you're. I think the richest athlete of all time. I yeah. Think, I think he is. Yeah. There and there's another story about him basically getting to uh, an airport. Mm-hmm. And he's talking with with his roommates like, hey, 100 bucks, 100 bucks that my bag comes out first. So it's like a 30 to 1 shot. And they all take it, and he ends up losing $1,500. No, he like his bag comes out, and he ends up winning like however much money. But I guess the, the urban myth goes that he actually talked to the staff of the airport before like he doesn't need that can a, money can a gambling addict also be like a like a chronic cheater that does, seems like a ridiculous combination <laughs> Honestly, like he he did what it took to win because you would think that if he's like addicted to gambling it's because it's like the one uncertain thing in his life like he wakes up and he knows that he's going to go to bed with lots of money and he knows he can like eat whatever he wants buy whatever he wants sleep with whoever he wants so there is like a little bit of a thrill in not knowing whether or not his bag is going to come. But if he knows his bag is going to come, that's just him controlling again. He really just wants that feeling of the win, of being like, ha, I beat you. That's sad. You can, you can still win playing golf. 
yeah, yeah <laughs> or like anything else that's easier than golf i know he could play basketball like I, in a league i wish i could justify michael jordan's decisions but i can't no none of us can <laughs> michael jordan hey you know what's a lot like space jam horace and pete horace and pete is the space jam of 2016 yeah our world's really taken a turn yes we should probably acknowledge um that uh we've recorded this episode already <laughs> We already recorded this episode, and I don't know what happened. It's this is see this is one of the downsides of building a recording studio in your living room, mm-hmm. in an apartment building in Clayton Park. You uh, you can't count on it. It's I think I blame it on Clayton Park. Yeah, I blame it on uh, yeah all the drugs that people used to do in the seventies in Clayton Park. <laughs> there are kind of radio transmitters around too. Do you think there's any like? No messing up your. No, okay. <laughs> I was trying to give you an out. No, that's uh, that was kind of you, but uh, you weren't weren't going to fool anybody with that. Mm, yeah, that's fair. So no, I don't think that's the case. I don't know what it is. I mean, we're recording this on a GoPro right now because um, I just wanted to have like multiple different ways to to not lose the recording to get the audio. Yeah, or like multiple ways to not get the audio. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh damn! The GoPro broke. We're a little bit cursed. We've already kind of uh, hit a time where, like, this is maybe in the background now. Horace and Pete, like, a month ago was really relevant and important to discuss. It was topical. And and now it's kind of already on the back burner. Yeah, it hasn't really been brought up. You know when I think it'll get big again? When it goes on Netflix? Is when it goes on Netflix and when, like, the Emmys come up. Oh, that's probably a good point. It'll probably get nominated for something. The Emmys in the fall? Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. I, I know he submitted it, because, like, this is a show that, that Louis paid for out of his own pocket. Yeah. And he didn't go bankrupt like like he said on Howard Stern. That just kind of got blown into nothing. He did, did he actually say that? He did say it. Okay. But, like, he, he, he's not a dumb person. He knows how he's going to get money again, and he has a savings or whatever. Right. Um, he, he has definitely said, oh, yeah, we're definitely submitting for Emmys, because we need to promote this show as much as possible. That was the whole point of the project was we were going to release something with no pre-promotion. But then after the fact, you need you need to make sure that people see it. To promote it, yeah. Because otherwise it's kind of insulting to Alan Alda and Edie Falco and Steve Buscemi. Yeah. Who who did, did an amazing <laughs> job. Yeah. They, they, everyone in that show was awesome. Yeah. Just, it, they were... Absolutely, they made everyone despondent watching. That's how good they were. I know. Like, I watched, because it was only 10 episodes long, even though we only say that we're going to, like, watch the first episode before we do a podcast about it, Mm -hmm. I wanted to watch all 10 because that seemed like a small enough commitment that I could have, like, a a really um, well-rounded understanding of this show and be able to speak to it. But, like, I just couldn't do it. I I watched the first two, and I was, like, I was so winded and down on myself right <laughs> and everything i believe in the world that i was like okay i'm just gonna have to read the, the the plot synopses for the next eight episodes and i'll watch the series finale and i did that but it was a slog just reading the synopses yeah just like just just finding out what happened in my own imagination <laughs> was painful and you, you know what i i watched the, i told you about this how i watched the last episode first yeah <laughs> that was probably the most depressing thing I could have done. I I got to like the twenty minute mark and I had to turn it off and go back to work. Oh yeah, which made for the worst day ever. <laughs> I was just so down in the dumps for the rest of the day at work. Anyways, the first episode compared to the last episode is like a bag of balloons. Well, it starts out like I think even going into it, I knew that it wasn't going to be like ha ha funny, mm-hmm. and there are a couple of amusing moments in it, but 
despite the fact that Louis C.K. wrote and directed it, it is just not a comedy. There's no way you can twist it. It's not a comedy. But the opening scene is Horace walking down into his bar at noon, flicking on the lights, and he he gets a mop, and he starts to, like, uh, straighten up the chairs and, like, clean up the, the bar. Yeah. And he does it in, like, he's doing, like, this silly little dance to the song on the jukebox. He's shuffling around. Yeah, and you're like, okay, there's, a, there's still... Um, a levity to this there's a lightness to this mm-hmm. and that was it <laughs> yeah <laughs> although in that first episode now i haven't seen like two or three or four or five um i've seen the first and the last the yeah. last i can say for certain that it's pretty much all bleak there's not a lot of bright spots in no. that last episode no in the first episode i found it really funny that um the scene basically where <laughs> the man walks in from after like 30 years in prison and he walks in yeah. and he said, oh, I met the woman I loved right <laughs> over there. She was with another man, and she cheated on me, and I shot her. Oh, yeah. And I went to jail, <laughs> and I just got out. <laughs> and, like, Steve Buscemi, or someone pours him a drink, and uh, Steve Buscemi's just standing there after having a bit of a schizophrenic fit, and is like, everyone else is seeing this guy, right? <laughs> and that's where the scene ends. That was a funny scene. Yeah. But- but even the way it's done, because there's no laugh track and like the reaction is all so serious, it's hard to get the humor out of it. That's right. And, and I think that was the premise. It's like, like, frankly, the show is a play. It's not even a TV show. It just happens to be a play that was put on tape. Right. But it kind of looks a little bit like, like a, a multi-camera sitcom. Yeah. Um, but they've just got no studio audience. What? How, how long would it be if you played it from episode one through episode 10, I'm just wondering if they could actually make it into a play. Oh, I mean, like, like... I've heard Louis describe it as a 10 act play. Right. Um, but it would still, it would be like at least six hours long, probably like, I don't think they're all full hours, but like, it's no Hamilton. No, (laughs) it's not quite as, as, as light as, as, uh, as Hamilton. I, I would love to see that play. Like it's so not fair how famous that guy has become. Oh yeah, from a thing that is so insular and yeah. so inside. Lin Manuel Miranda. He he was gonna just make a series of mixtapes, eh? It, it was supposed to be about just the founding fathers rapping. Yeah, and then I think he kind of showed a couple other people, and they were like, "Oh man, we should make a play out of this." And he had already been on Broadway, so like he had a little bit of oh. pull. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, because he had. A, I mean, I think it was on Broadway. He's definitely like been a successful playwright because. He's got a new movie called In the Heights, which okay. is based on a play that he was successful with. Right. He's also going to be in the new uh, Mary Poppins sequel. Really? Yeah. So they're doing a Mary Poppins sequel 52 years later where Emily Blunt is playing Mary Poppins. Wow. Which seems like appropriate That's casting. all right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, it, anyway, Lin-Manuel is not going to play the like the Dick Van Dyke character. He's a new character altogether. Okay. So yeah. He's not going to be a chimney sweep. A really poorly cockney <laughs> yeah. chimney, chimney sweep oh raw. <laughs> um he makes tapes about the founding fathers makes tapes of it about the founding fathers. you said a really interesting thing we talked about it once before off yeah. the podcast about how um a lot of like stuffy white theater goers in new york say that like this is the first time rap has been used effectively yeah it's the first time rap has been like important or i've enjoyed <sighs> rap and i think Questlove said that on uh, the champs podcast and he was like i'd never expected this to happen but like that's what all these old white people are saying why does there have to be like a negative thing about hamilton i know oh i remember what i was gonna say didn't lin-manuel miranda also 
do the Star Wars, a song in Star Wars? Yeah. The first Star Wars, or is he doing it in the next Star Wars? No, it's in The Force Awakens. Right. So um, he went to J.J. Abrams, like, probably, I don't know if Hamilton was out yet. I don't like, think it was. It was just, like, a weird thing. That... It was this weird, like, they gave him the the opportunity to do it even before he became, like, a huge, huge star. Yeah, he, he, he said, listen... If there's like if you do like a cantina scene, right. I would love to write the theme song to the cantina scene because like that's an iconic score in A New Hope. Yeah, and JJ was like, we do sort of have a cantina, which uh, is the Maz Kanata scene. So it's where like you, right. they go to, I don't even know what the planet is, but yeah, and uh, it's like this weird kind of kind of cheeky little uh, little off tempo riff and yep. it's um, reggae. And yeah, he uh, Lin Manuel Miranda wrote that, and then there was a thing. Several weeks back, I think, and it was on Star Wars Day. It was on May fourth. Nice. Um, where he and J.J. Abrams like performed it on oh, the street. Oh no way! Yeah, that's awesome. Speaking of Star Wars, just a quick aside. Right. Before we get back to Horse and Beat, look, we can't talk about Horse and Beat for an hour. We're gonna need to take bleakness breaks. Yes. Um, or happiness breaks, I guess. Yes. Uh, who is the girl who played Ray? Uh, Daisy Ridley. Daisy Ridley. Have you seen her Instagram? Yeah, I've seen her Instagram. It's so ridiculous and hilarious. Yeah. She's got such a good sense of humor about everything. She's really smart. She's um, she's definitely handling it all really well. Yeah. Just, like, imagine what you would have to uh, – imagine the 180 your life would take when you, like, you go from being a relative unknown yep. to being in the biggest movie ever. Yeah. Like, the lead character in the biggest movie ever and at the center of something that is highly protective. Yep. Frankly, by – neckbeardy people who say shitty things on the internet like imagine the stuff that she's had to stomach without even really knowing how to be famous like the number of gross tweets she's gotten from creepy people that's true and i never like, really think about the gross tweets oh my god it must just be relentless for her she must like so quickly have had to figure out a way to to, to turn a blind eye to that yeah or like John Boyega, for that matter all the people who say racist stuff to him sure because they don't want to see a, a black Right. Lead character in Star Wars. Black Stormtrooper was trending yeah. on Twitter after yeah. the <laughs> the preview was released. That's so incredible to me. I incredible know. in the worst way. Yeah. No, I know. I know. I know. Well, that's the podcast. All right. Just kidding. <laughs> How is it that, that, that Louis C.K. is able to, to garner such amazing talent for his shows? Why is it that people want to work with that guy so much that he was able to get literally basically anybody he wants – save i guess joe pesci because there's this whole story where he wanted uncle pete to be played by joe pesci mm -hmm. and he almost had him and then last minute joe pesci said no i'm not doing it and then he got alan arkin and or not alan arkin alan alda yeah and that turned out to be way better anyway i think i think he's proven himself at this point like he's the top stand-up comic in the world at one point eddie murphy was the top stand-up comic in the world and he has he, been for a long time too louis yeah he has been since like 2009 yeah probably that's when i would have first discovered him but yep. he was around before that because he had oh yeah he had oh. lucky louis before that right which i want to go back and watch that's good yeah 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 he the set looks not unlike horse and pete the, the premise is not unlike it except for that one is a comedy and one is like overtly a drama right. like lucky louis was also supposed to deconstruct the multi-camera sitcom right in that like they were essentially just doing the honeymooners right it was exactly the same show yeah except he could say fuck and his kids would be precocious and yeah it was it was just a little bit smarter than that i need to go back and watch that because i remember seeing at least one episode and kind of getting it mm -hmm. but also 
not really understanding. I think it was drunk at the time. I, I saw somebody online, I think it was on Reddit, today actually, refer to um, Woody Allen as the the uh, the Louis C.K. of his time, like in the 70s. Right. I think it was a discussion about how people can, can be dethroned so easily because right. of like uh, reputation kind of situation. <laughs> because of, you know, marrying their stepdaughter yeah or you know like the child molestation charges or right. any, any number sure. of, of reasons to hold woody allen in question right the idea was that he was like he was this this comedian who seemed to speak to people but he was different mm-hmm. and he was very intelligent and he also was artful and was clever with drama and was seemingly non-superficial right like it still it, is really and they're both New York darlings. Yep. Like it, it, the, there are easy comparisons to draw, but the 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 outline was, "Gee, I hope we don't have some reason to hate Louis C.K. Oh, in thirty years." I remember at one point in my life saying, oh, "It's going to be so sad when Bill Cosby dies." <laughs> You've said that. I've said that. I remember <laughs> in grade eight talking to my teacher about that, and her being like, "Yeah." It's gonna be super sad. Like, I didn't I know you had like a like a fondness for Bill Cosby at a time. Like, I used to just watch all the Cosby Show, like all the reruns when I was in junior high and stuff. And you know what? I was like, ah, oh, there's a likable guy, Bill Cosby. Oh, yeah. You know what's funny is my mom. She wouldn't mind me saying this because like she's always like proudly said this. She always hated Bill Cosby. Oh wow. But like like angrily, violently hated Bill Cosby. So she feels so validated now because nice. like she had such a good instinct about him. Now she wasn't saying like, I bet that guy's a rapist. No. But she was not. No, I don't think so. But she really always found him like very um very pretentious and, and frankly kind of hypocritical. Yeah. And uh and just like stuffy and and, and seeming to He's, su- he's always so superior, right? And he always reached out to every comedian to say like stop swearing and yeah. all that. That is pretty pretentious. It's it's well it's just it's just like it's so superior and that's what's ironic about this whole situation and makes it even more dramatic is that this guy who seemed to to be above it all was so far below everybody. Right. Like Michael Chase said when it like really hit Probably six months ago, Michael Chase said that the, or maybe a year and a half ago, I don't know how long ago it was, but uh, on update, the opening joke was, hey, Bill Cosby, you pull your damn pants up. <laughs> yeah. That was such a good joke. It says everything. It says it all. You're right. With like five words, he killed it. Yeah. Yeah, so I hope that Louis C.K. doesn't go that way, but he's also so self-deprecating, although so is Woody Allen. He's just, he seems like he's his character is way above kind of how he talks about himself. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. I mean, like this is another thing he talked about in recent interviews. Might have been might have been the WTF one where he talked about how yes, he's playing a version of himself in Louis on FX, but like that character is like in real life he's so much more optimistic. Right. And like it's easy to forget that cuz like you think of of Louis as like kind of kind of sad yeah. and and kind of like kind of like obviously smart, but like it's easy to forget in his stand-up specials he laughs. And like when he's on with with Opie and 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 Jim Norton, like he laughs, and yeah. he's 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 just a guy with kids. Like he's yeah. not this pathetic loser that he plays in so many situations. Yeah, and that's nice to hear. Actually, I was like, oh right, he he's a he's having fun. Well, nobody um, who's a pessimist would invest like tens of thousands of dollars of his own money in a TV show just that's to true. do it. Like he had to have some kind of optimism about the whole situation. Yeah. It's interesting and and awesome that he put all of his money into it and just wanted to own it the whole time. 
Yeah. Because there's things like Louie that he doesn't completely own. He he managed to make a couple good deals where he gets to decide the future of Louie, which is great because a lot of people don't get that. Right. I mean, look at the characters on Saturday Night Live. Do you know how long, like, once you finally make it on Saturday Night Live? You get to resign for seven years. Seven years? Yep. That's insane. They own you. Yeah. See, this is why guys like like Bill Hader or Andy Samberg, who we kind of perceive because of how old we are as, like, the ultimate stars of Saturday Night Live. Right. Uh, Kristen Wiig. Um, for our generation, they're still like not even that rich, uh, or at least respective to their fame. No, like so many time... people who are less famous than them have like twice as much money as them because they spent so much time garnering that fame, making like like twenty grand a show, which yeah. is again a lot of money, but not for what they do. No, no, not at all. And and to live in New York is honestly like they probably got an apartment and it's probably fine, but it's probably not amazing no and and just the idea of of the uh the exposure that the show gives you like that's the idea be on our show you'll there's no exposure like it right and if you play your cards right you might have a movie coming out this week called pop star never stop never stop right and it's true is that out this week yeah, it comes out tomorrow oh, i'm so excited to yeah see that. i mean respective to when we're taping this show i don't know when this is going to launch not for, <laughs> not for quite a while we we launched pop star came out in 2016 oh, wow. it's 2018 right now <laughs> So yeah, Horace and Pete, pretty bleak. I painfully bleak. Don't I don't think I can watch it. I want to watch it just to again like say that I watched it. It's one of those shows where and you just don't to wanna... be a good Louis C.K. fan. Yeah, that's true too. I think he'd also understand though. Like, like I yeah. really, I really gave it the old college try, but like, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's just really hard. And and like I, I appreciate it. I respect it. I think it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but. But it, it, it's – I would never recommend binge-watching this show. You, Anything that can cause you to evoke that much emotion yes. has to be really well-acted and really well-written. Right. However, I don't necessarily want to watch a horror movie either. I don't want to just scare myself. I also don't want to make myself sad. Right. It's really – it's a testament to the pain behind a great comedic mind because especially that last episode – and, like, spoiler alert, but, like, it the first – act of the of the last episode is a flashback and it's all set like decades before the main timeline of the series and so all the same actors are in it but they're playing different characters yeah and so like um louis ck is playing his regular character horace's father Mm -hmm. and he's this monster he's abusive and he's like he's so cruel to his children and and edie falco is playing their mother and she's like quite sad and 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 tormented and Which, the kids still have some innocence in them but they're just getting eaten alive and yeah. and like this is all this is loosely based on truth i mean like louis had a had a really absent asshole of a father and like he had he has daughters now so he can write about being a guy with daughters but i mean he has a great relationship with his daughters as far as we understand right he did not in this show Eddie bryant played his daughter right yeah the the whole the whole thing where he uh i, I think it was talking on on mark Marin about how he has this one sister who wants to stay in touch with their dad, even though he's a piece of shit. She tries her best right. to have a relationship with this guy, even though he's a loser, and the rest of them are just like, why are you even bothering? And he, like, really admires it. Because yeah, he's like... but that was illustrated, except for that he was playing the part of his own father. Right. And that, like, and why would you put yourself in that situation? <laughs> yeah. It's weird. You know, he's got a bit of a weird mind. And he said, too, like, while writing, he could not have conversations with people really after it because it was just going to be such a dour. Like he started talking like the characters. Yeah. 
How much of it do you think was kind of gratuitous, though? Because, like, I think on the one hand, it's 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 well written, mm-hmm. but like, to what end? What 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 is the purpose of of that kind of anguish in television? Like, at the end of the day, yes, art for art's sake, and and let's broaden our minds. But like, if it's if it's painful to endure something, is it really worth it? I think it's a bit of that. I think it's well. I think it it was a lot of. Um... What's the word I'm looking for? It was just kind of like stream of stream consciousness. Of consciousness. It was yeah. just stream of consciousness writing. Maybe. And it was like, okay, and then she walks in the room and she starts touching herself. And like that's just where his head went and yep. he kind of wrote about it. Yep. I kind of think so. He had writing partners and stuff too. I'm sure they really refined what he was doing. He didn't do it all in one try, but. I tend to think that it's like it's, it's not too dissimilar from like shock humor where you just say the craziest thing to evoke a response. Like he just – it's kind of like – although I think it was good, I think there was an element of, okay, how fucked up can I make this? Yeah. Who do you think was the best character in that show? Oh, the Steve Buscemi character was amazing. Yeah, was, I think so he too. Was like especially like when he goes off his meds and he just – goes nuts like yeah. it's so real and, and like and in that in that three camera setting it almost seems like when he's having some of those fits like you're supposed to laugh like there should be a laugh there yes just because he, he he does it so i guess so like well and kind of comedically and his whole body gets into it but maybe that's one of the reasons why like it wouldn't have been a good show to have a studio audience i mean aside from the fact that it's not funny yeah. but like in some of those situations there might be laughter where louis distinctly does not want you like, to feel joy uncomfortable laughter possibly. yeah yeah and that would really like kind of ruin the moment like have you ever seen the clips of the big bang theory without the laughter yes like that's yeah, a perfect absolutely. example like of just like how how painful this, this right. show is. Like, I think I mentioned it would be interesting if they put a laugh track on this show. Like if they just put it in. I was thinking about that with something else the other day. Like, yeah. Or, or like, I'm surprised that there's not like a popular YouTube channel where they take like really dramatic, famous movie scenes and add laugh track or something. You like, could do it. Like the, like the famous Robin Williams speech from Goodwill hunting where like people are just like dying laughing <laughs> at the time. sad stuff he's saying about his dead wife. It just shows like the crowd from like a Bernie <laughs> Mac set in the early nineties. <laughs> people just losing their minds. Uh, the guy holding an applause cue card. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that'd be amazing. Edie Falco. What did you think of her? I mean, I don't have like a huge uh, experience with, with her work only because I kind of distanced myself from like really dramatic stuff. Sure. Um, a la The Sopranos and Nurse Jackie. Well, and yes, I mean, it doesn't matter how many Emmys Nurse Jackie needs to be nominated for in the comedy category. Right. It is not fucking funny. It's like, not a comedy at all. She's a snarky lady. It yeah. doesn't make it a comedy. No. No, um, I don't think so either. No, but I, I couldn't stomach The Sopranos, and it's such a shame because I know it's amazing. Yeah. Oh and, God, and you'd lo- you would love it if you actually got into it. I think. Just... I know. I'm I'm listening to the the Nerdist podcast right now with Robert Kirkman, and they're like talking about all this Walking Dead stuff, and I would love to be in on the joke. Uh, it, did Robert Kirkman do Preacher at all? Is that did he? Was Preacher? Comic? So there's this new show called and and Chris Hardwick did a did a uh, talking preacher after the premiere. Oh, okay. Um, That's less clever. Yeah, I know. He's like <laughs> brand consistency, guys. I know we could like say like confessions with the preacher or whatever yeah. but oh that is we, better we, we want to keep it to like talking talking dead talking bad even talking talk bad, bad was pushing it like oh yeah. it kind of worked yeah this but... is just talking preacher he yeah. addressed this in like an instagram post he's like guys i know i don't uh, need any more suggestions chris Hartwood talks a lot about the trolls that tweet him so yes. i'm sure he got lots of yeah that. he probably gets a hard time but um this show with preacher uh seth rogan and evan goldberg were guests on 
talking preacher afterwards because cool. it's apparently a popular comic book well i don't I, know how popular it is i don't but, super know it no but it, it's apparently it's a cool show i've been told to watch it so okay i'll, I'll get on that soon what i was going to say about edie falco um i have another robert kirkman thing but you can say what you're going to say okay uh she gave the commencement dress at my sister's graduation <laughs> that's so cool columbia <laughs> yeah that's so cool they had like a full day event where there was like free wine and beer and then you go to a dinner and then there's this other thing and there's more speeches and then i have like that's Edie that's Falco comes in that's like a sad uh youtube hobby of mine like looking at celebrities delivering commencement addresses oh man some of them are so good have you ever seen jim carrey's Yes. It is crazy good. Yeah, it is really good. Crazy good. Yeah, yeah. and uh, the Aaron Sorkin one is funny because it's just so much. It's like jam-packed full of his own dialogue. Like, if you know his material enough, you're like, oh, Sam Seaborn said that in right. the second season of West Wing. He's actually taking quotes oh, yeah. from his <laughs> That's awesome. Well, there's a term called Sorkinisms. I don't know right. if you know what it I, is. Yeah, we it's... talked about this before where there, you can look at the YouTube video. And oh, there, he... there's crazy compilations made. He rips himself off like crazy. Yeah. And I guess he's okay with it. Has he ever addressed it? I don't, I don't think that he needs to be embarrassed by it. Like, I remember I showed it to my mom once because she got me on those shows. And right. she's like, oh, it's kind of disappointing because, like, this is the guy who's so famous for his, for his wit. But, like, clearly it's limited. And I was like, of course it's fucking limited. He's yeah. a human. <laughs> but, like, he still invented a lot of that. Sure. And so why shouldn't he be able to use it again? That's true. And, and no one... I don't think anyone holds it against him that much. If you like the West Wing, you're still going to like the West Wing, regardless right. of if he borrowed a couple lines of dialogue from another show. Right, right. There's like, a, a, I mean, we'll probably do a, a show show about the West Wing at some point so we can get into it. But like one of my favorite shows ever was Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Right. I own the DVD. I don't even know why they made it into a DVD. That had to cost them money. Yeah. Because nobody watched the show. Nobody bought it. But like as somebody who loves sketch comedy and loves Aaron Sorkin, it's a fucking Bible of a one-season-off TV show. Right. I love it. I've watched it so many times, and there's this, there's this like, secondary storyline where the Matthew Perry character is like defending that he wrote this movie, and he's getting sued because a bunch of other po- people are claiming that they wrote the movie that he wrote. Right. And he, uh, he says, you know how I know that they didn't write it? She says, how? He says, because if they'd written it, they'd have written it. Right. And like nobody, that's such a fucking good line. Yeah. And nobody heard it. So he's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to use it on the social <laughs> in the network. Social network, <laughs> yeah. which everyone's going to see. Yeah, because like I'm not, I'm not letting that go to waste. Right. That's funny. Here's my funny uh, Robert Kirkman story. This happened uh, just a few days ago. I was in Chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking for, I, I believe it's Robert Kirkman. As a matter of fact, I know it is. It's a, a, like another series he has called The Invincibles. Okay. I don't know a lot about it yet, but I want to get into it. Um, it's it's a superhero story, but it's like set in a world where it's not that uncommon to be a superhero. Kind of like not on like X-Men. Right. Like, like 10% of the world's population is a superhero. Okay. By the way, this is just what I understand about the series. And so I guess like the main character is like the son of like the Superman. Like his dad is the ultimate George Clooney Superman. And so like they have it out and they don't get along. And I guess it's very graphic and, and very badass. And I, I want to read The Invincibles because cool. that could be my avenue into Robert Kirkman. Right. Who, who I'm sure is a genius. And maybe they do a show. Maybe. And then I could watch that. I bet they will. Could happen. Isn't The Invincibles also that pixar movie that's the incredibles incredibles <laughs> right way to go slain okay well um, i was close yeah so I'm, I'm in chapters and uh <laughs> and i go over to the the graphic novel section and i look at the shelf and uh, i look at the the walking dead section and i see that it stops there there are no invincibles comic books here and so i go over to one of those uh you know those big like 
max, those stationary max that they have for searching inventory in chapters. Yep. Yeah, so I go over to the over to that and I, I search up uh, the Invincibles and I find it, but I see that it's not in stock in any of the Halifax stores. Okay. And I was like, okay, and I just I turn and I'm about to walk away when this employee comes up to me. She's like 60 and has magenta hair. <laughs> and she's like, can I help you find anything? And she was like immediately aggressive. <laughs> and in my head, I'm going, no, because there's a machine here that already has it rendered you this. useless. Like, I've already figured it out. I don't need you. Please step off. Yeah, bow down to the Mac. Yeah. And so, so I just pointed at the screen and I was like, oh, no, I was, I was just checking to see if you had this comic book. But you guys don't have it. No worries. And she looks at the screen. And she gives me so much lip. She goes, comic book? Oh, you mean graphic novel. Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I was doing that for your benefit. You're like, I'm the one looking for this thing. Don't belittle me. I'm wearing Star Wars sneakers. I know the difference <laughs> between a comic book and a graphic novel. Also, you work here. What yeah. business do you have, like, talking she, down to me? She was just a little sour, a little uh, salty that, uh, that the computers are doing away with her work. And a little magenta. Yeah, she's definitely magenta. Oh, God. So now, I don't know, I'll never be able to join the, the Robert Kirkman Brigade. You know what really works for uh, finding books? Amazon. Uh, yep. Amazon.com. Yep. Yeah. You I can know. get it. You know in, in, like, the States and stuff, there's, like, five-hour guaranteed shipping? I know. It's crazy. That's well, insane. I mean, if you have Amazon Prime, that your your priority just goes through the roof. Yeah. But I kind of think Prime's just going to go out the window pretty soon because they're going to realize they can get everything to everyone super quick i know well there was some talk about amazon doing deliveries by drone and then they realized that's a terrible idea yeah did they completely ditch it i think so yeah because i mean people would just shoot those things down i know they should just do what i've been saying for years and just do it by catapult i was likely going to order the invincibles on amazon anyway but i like to go to chapters and like leaf through it first and just see like do i like the artwork in this and like i also just really love the energy of a bookstore i I like going to bookstores too oh it's the best i spend a lot of time there so the other show that we were going to focus on today to kind of offset the, the, the despondence of Horace and Pete is something mm. that's so other end of the spectrum that I know you think it goes too far. I think, I think it, this show makes me more despondent <laughs> than Horace and Pete. This show makes you sick. <laughs> it really does. Why, why are you so without, – without talking about what the show is, why are you so, so in contempt of this show? I just learned at a young age that it was the same thing every show, and what that thing was, I absolutely – despised how lazy the the writers were in making it how lazy but, the plot line but was. everything is formulaic i mean I know. like even, i know even horse and pete to an extent except for that in the areas that it's not it's kind of excluded from being a mainstream piece of media you know what i'm not sure i'd be able to even articulate why i <laughs> I, I just it's one of those feelings that i get and i i gotta stick by it right i hate it okay it's something that slaney hates <laughs> talking about a show that is timeless for its meat and potatoes I just think the dishes and utensils are a little out of style. This is a show show on Everybody Loves Raymond. What was the theme song for Everybody Loves Raymond? Because I was going to sing it, but I... I honestly don't know. I never really had a a relationship with that show, but I I watched the pilot. And, I mean, so many shows, especially sitcoms, have really bad pilots. Right. It's not not excruciating as compared to the show in general. Didn't you... You say it's not excruciating, but didn't you say there's actually a line by Brad Garrett in that? Okay, okay, okay. All right, do you want to read it? Because we've got the dialogue ready. It's right behind you on the air conditioner machine. All right. Yes, this is this is sh- like shamefully bad dialogue. Like, I mean, there's no there's no way 
they decide they wrote this scene and then decided, oh, what about that line that Brad Garrett says? That's a good show. They definitely titled the show first and like were desperate to contrive it into the dialogue. Right. All right. So, do you want to play Frank? I'll play Marie. Or yeah, I, 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 the way I feel about this show is probably pretty Frank-esque. <laughs> okay. Where are the kids? Oh no, they're sleeping. I just want to see them. Come on, it's early. <laughs> I just want to see them. <laughs> Come on, it's early. I just want to see the kids. They can sleep when we go. No. You want to see something? A $120 receipt from Victoria's Secret. Holy crap. What the hell is a bust year? <laughs> uh, when did you... Wh- this is Robert, Robert talking now. When did he get this? And then... It's talking about like a trophy that they found in right, the kitchen. And, and then the mom says, that's an award your brother got from his sports column. <laughs> Robert says, never ends for Raymond. Poor Robbie. Everybody loves Raymond. He says God. everybody loves Raymond. It's the fucking worst. How did that show get greenlit? <laughs> How did it get greenlit? It stayed on the air for like nine years. I know. It was huge. It's because people didn't have any variety. They didn't have any choice. The show would never last now. They Well, I mean, that's true. It was the front runner of like a huge brigade of multi-camera sitcoms about families. Like yeah. it, was, it overlapped with all kinds of them. I know. I, I would take the nanny over that. Uh, that's not true. The nanny uh, with Fran Drescher. I've never seen it. Oh, you haven't? No. Jen decided to, my girlfriend, decided to watch every single season. <laughs> I swear she picks the shows that she thinks will actually just, like, get a huge anger reaction from me. She's actively trying to annoy you. Oh, she she DVRs NCIS every single episode. You don't like that Episodes show? that she's seen. No. <laughs> of course I don't, sweets. <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen it. Uh, if you watched it, you would. Someone, someone on the team gets kidnapped every other episode, <laughs> and they like have to save them. It's like they're writing it for children, right? But it's like the number one show on television. It's insane. All right, you like kind of just like really laid into your girlfriend there. <laughs> really... Oh no, I do. I do this all the time. We have a, a rule that she's not allowed to watch NCIS when I'm there, okay. except she. If I get home and it's already on, I can't say anything. But you'll you'll watch the nanny with her, or you don't want to watch that either. No, but I also did watch the nanny with her. We didn't live together at that point. So. What's so offensive about the nanny? Oh, Fran Drescher's voice. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's pretty much it. And just corny jokes, right? Corny jokes were the '90s. Besides Friends, and like Seinfeld, Seinfeld, and Cheers. Cheers and, was the '80s. Uh, Cheers, yeah, was, Cheers was the yeah, Cheers was the '80s, right? Yeah, late '80s. And then Frasier was the '90s. Frasier was the 90s. And Frasier was so successful that they bought everyone on the staff, like, Ferraris. Did they really? They all won Emmys, and then everyone on the staff got Ferraris. It's a show that I've never really been connected to. No. But uh, I'm I'm sure it's good to some degree. I've always had this, like, uh, this resentment towards Kelsey Grammer because I saw him go on Regis and Kelly one time years ago in Badmouth Halifax. Really? Like, he was, like, shooting a movie here or something, and they're like, oh, how is it there? And he's like, oh, it's really drab and terrible. Wow, why would you bother saying something bad about anywhere? Eh, what a bummer. Like, yeah. why Why would you insult a million people? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, they, know, you know what would happen now. What? Twitter. Twitter would, would definitely come after Kelsey Grammer. Oh, yeah. There'd be Vice articles written about him. Have you, have you seen Chelsea Handler's new show? No, you were telling me about it, though. Was I? It's you, really good. You said it was a 10 out of 10 would watch. Yeah, no, I, I really believe that. And I saw an article today. It was titled, Why is Chelsea's New Show So Bad? 
Oh, really? And I was okay. like, oh, I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that people wouldn't like it. Really? But I think it's because people are used to seeing Chelsea lately where maybe she was a little bit edgier. Sure. She's a little softer. But I think it's just the content of the show is softer. Like, she talks to Bill Nye or, okay. or whatever. Like, it's not just 50 Cent. Isn't it like a sitcom type thing? No, no. It's a late night talk show. Oh. Oh. What's it called? It's called Chelsea. Oh. It's the new Netflix show. So Netflix got a late night talk show, not unlike Jimmy Fallon. Right. And it, it Chelsea Handler's the host. And every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, they upload a new episode. Oh, I had no idea. It's really cool. Oh, I, I thought it was actually a show that she was on. Nope. Oh. No, it's really, it's, I, I think it's really good. I like the content of it an awful lot. Anyway, uh, round, uh, long round way of saying they have this segment called um, Chelsea Grammar, where, <laughs> where she like just complains about like a thing people do wrong in grammar. Oh, but, that's fun. But Kelsey Grammar, like hosts the bumper for it where they launch the new segment. Oh, really? Yeah, it's kind of funny. That's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome that they were able to get him. I really want to watch Lady Dynamite. I haven't seen that at all. What is that? Uh, Maria Bamford. And, oh, like, okay. Uh, a lot of, like, stand-up comedians are in it, like Patton Oswalt mm. and a lot of, like, guest spots on it. But it's, I think, kind of about her having a mental breakdown, but it stays really <laughs> funny. Okay. Yeah. That's a really funny subject matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of cheesy humor in the 90s and going back to Everybody Loves Raymond, I actually Ugh. made it. I actually made Must it, we? I know. I made a note. This is going to be a complaint, I promise. I made a note in my notebook while watching it so that I wouldn't let them off the hook for this, like, huge gaffe they made in the pilot episode. Sure. I don't I don't know if – I think Ray made it. It was a long time ago since I saw it, but I think Ray makes the joke. And I, I don't know if he's talking about Robert or if he's talking about one of his kids, but it's like the classic dumb joke. Mm-hmm. That's It's not – they didn't invent it. It's been said I don't know how many times, but I don't know how many – uncreative people but uh ray says that in order to count to 12 they have to take their shoes off and this pissed me off because the joke is 11 you can't count to 11 without taking your shoes off why would it be 12 do you have an 11th finger i don't no i know buddy don't yell at me i know (laughs) i'm sorry you know how it is (laughs) yeah i understand i understand your pain there bad television writing inspires uh Man, honestly, Finger. like that's that is the worst. You just picture sitting down on the couch and watching bad television. Like I would say like there's a lot of bad sitcoms, like and there's a few exceptions that I'll give, like, you know, Fresh Prince I think is a really likable sitcom. And a good example of like a family-based sitcom that was different. Yep, sure. Um had a different identity. One that doesn't, but I still really liked was... Uh, the anger in your doesn't. What, what, one that super does not. No, no. I, I, I like this one, though, is okay. King of Queens. Yeah, I never got into that. No, either. it was just always... It was one of those shows that was a rerun all the time. But it was formulaic. And it, and frankly, it's it's annoying for some of the same reasons that Raymond is annoying in that, like, it's... it's uh, Wife is probably too hot for the, yep. for the husband, but she's naggy and he's kind of a fool and yep. lazy. There's a father-in-law that's, you know, pretty yeah. annoying. And... and the mother-in-law's mean to the, the wife. Right. Although there's, I don't know if there's a mother-in-law. But, but the thing that I liked about it is it was George Costanza's dad, Frank Costanza, right. who played Kevin James's dad on the show. And Patton Oswalt was in the show, too. Jerry Stiller? Is that who you're talking about? Jerry Stiller. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly yeah. That's who I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, okay. Patton Oswalt was in it. Yeah, he was kind I guess of like I knew a, that. I knew that. a guest character every once in a while. Right. Yeah, um, a home improvement was a show that I like latched onto from Did the nineties that like was special to me because it was pretty kid friendly. It was. I watched it for a while, but have you? If you've seen an episode recently, you'd probably 
give like, it some high rolls. I'm, I'm sure you're right. I'm, yeah. I'm sure that's entirely true. And very formulaic. Like, I mean, it almost was, like, happy to be formulaic. And, like, uh, the, the Wilson character was the same every time. Have and... you ever seen the, uh, the – yeah, you're right. Home Improvement, probably one of the most formulaic shows. You know what the most formulaic show was? Three's Company. Oh, yeah. It's famous for being that. Uh, just always a misunderstanding. It's funny because I, I remember watching repeats when I was, like, in sixth grade. And being like, I'm really noticing a trend here. <laughs> For a sixth grader to be able to pick that out, yeah. to have a critical enough viewership eye. There's always a misunderstanding yeah. that ends up leading all of them to some crass judgment and, yep. or fight. Right. And then... There was a joke in, in, in Friends where they're just watching Three's Company and Chandler says, oh, I'm pretty sure this is that episode of Three's Company where there's some kind of misunderstanding. Right. Phoebe says, oh, then I've seen this one. And she turns yeah. it off. Yeah. That's a funny joke. That's an awesome joke. Well, and it's it's also a little snarky coming from a show that was being lauded for its creativity. Right. I mean, like, I Take the Rachel was like, nobody in the world was going to predict that. I saw a DVD commentary. Are you, are you not a Friends fan? No, I'm a huge Friends fan, but no one this in the, the world most, was going to predict that? No, that was like... I mean, it was probably a, probably a beautiful, beautiful way of satisfying an audience of people who were really annoyed that Ross was marrying this random. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I I kind of forget whether the atmosphere was that he still had those underlying feelings for Rachel, or if it was like a season he, he, removed. Like he did not have like, those. It was distinct, and that was like kind of the oh. that was the ongoing theme in those those episodes is that Rachel was starting to feel feelings for Ross again. And Ross was just going on about, like, how he was so happy that he was, like, happy again. He right. was finally right. over Rachel. And, like, he invited her to the wedding, and she didn't want to go, and he was kind of mad. Yeah. I, so, I remember watching that live. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm sure I was probably like, oh, what? That's right. crazy. That said, and we're kind of off on a tangent here, but, I, like, I have also been critical of the studio audience and friends because they were, like, they were very prone to the shocked sound effect and sometimes you didn't buy it. So like they did it in that moment when he said, I take the Rachel, they're like, and you can hear it. Right. But there's also another one that's always stood out to me, which is when they, they have two episodes, two or three episodes building up to Chandler and Monica getting engaged. Right. And there's like all of the, this comedy of errors happening surrounding whether or not they're going to get engaged. Mm -hmm. It looks like they might break up at one point. And then eventually Monica proposes. Right. And it's like, the audience is like aghast. <gasps> a woman? <laughs> well, no. They're just, they're just like shocked by by the fact that they would get engaged, and they've been building up to it. There was no right. shock at all. It was ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that's an example of a good show from the nineties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, Friends, I would watch all day. Yeah. No, and and you can. Yeah. You can. I, I'm almost never I'm not watching Friends to a certain extent. Like it's always in my recently viewed on Netflix. Yeah. You know where I watched. <laughs> A lot of that was when I was in Dominican. It was on like every single day. Really? Like, we would we would get back from the beach like before dinner, watch like three episode of, episodes of Friends while each other like showered and stuff. Yeah. And then go to dinner. We Put you in a good mood. We had really bad Wi-Fi in our room. So the only things we could watch was stuff on my external hard drive. Oh. The word was external hard drive that I just slurred poorly. <laughs> um, and so as it turns out, I only have movies on my external hard drive. And the entire 60s Batman series. <laughs> oh, nice. So we're <laughs> so we watching watched that? a lot of 60s Batman. Oh, that's incredible. Speaking of formulaic. Right. <laughs> Did it hold up? No. <laughs> no, it's atrocious. It's but terrible. you said, like, it is supposed to be a comedy? Like, well, that is a thing that I didn't realize when I would watch it, like, on TV Land as a kid. Yeah. I, I, 
also it didn't matter because I wasn't like aware of of sarcasm. But right. yes, of course, like it's like it's so definitely trying to be hilarious. Right. Oh God, I want to watch that again for sure. Yeah, that's a good one. Adam West is awesome. This was a directionless podcast. <laughs> you know what? I think it was good though. We Me got some too. good stuff. We we went off on enough tangents that. That people weren't just hearing us talk about how much we hate Everybody Loves Raymond. We got a little Friends talk. We got a little NBA talk. We yeah. got a little... Uh, yeah, I'm going to leave that NBA stuff in there. I think you should. <laughs> I think that's how we start the podcast. Yeah. Inside the NBA with Colin Sweets. Yeah. The show show. This is confusing. This is the third episode. They're not talking about shows anymore. <laughs> this is the third episode. <laughs> and already we're just talking about <laughs> basketball, which Sweets doesn't even like. He openly doesn't care I'm about. I'm basically just telling Sweets what's cool right now. Yeah, but I'm open to it. Yeah, that's good. So Taylor Swift and Calvin Harris broke up. No. <laughs> this is an entertainment news number one. Oh, I, so okay. So I, I told Sweets this earlier that I have no idea what is going on in popular culture right now. I don't know. I know everything about sports, but I just kind of neglected. I've been busy with work. I've just been streaming the Americans all the time, which is awesome. You got to yeah. watch it. Yeah. I do want to see that for sure. Is that any connection to, no, it's the American with George Clooney. I was thinking yeah. maybe it would be like a spinoff of that or something. Nope. Yeah. No, the queen of my heart and, uh, and DJ McBig shoulders. They, they <laughs> split up yesterday. Oh, yeah. so you got that opening. Well, you know what's annoying? And I talked about this on the radio show um, earlier tonight, about how every time Taylor Swift has a public breakup, and anytime she has a breakup at all, it becomes public because she's, like, the most famous romantic type in the world. Right, and she only dates famous people, I think. True, and that's, to, to, to the credit of people who criticize her, that is a fair criticism. I mean, she is definitely opening herself up to mm-hmm. to the the publicity of of love if she's gonna date superstars right but i'm just so fucking tired of um oh now she's gonna have another album full of angry songs oh maybe taylor swift should write a song called maybe i'm the problem Mm -hmm. it never like everybody tweets that as if they invented it first of all yeah it wasn't funny when the first person came up with it (laughs) three years ago when it was first said it was really sexist then too right to say that because a person in her mid-20s has had like five or six different boyfriends. She's a problem. Yeah. Like people break up when they're young. You're right. Come on. Especially, I mean, like there's famous guys that are probably breaking up with girls every other day. They're probably not even giving relationships a chance. Right. So good honor for well, giving and, it a shot. And as if, as if she's the first person to write songs about relationships, like, yeah. I mean, Carly, like that, you're so vain song is famously about somebody famous. Now we don't know who it's about, but there are very few cases where we know exactly who Taylor Swift is singing about either. And that has become like part of the mystery when a new Taylor album comes out. Yeah. Like, Oh, is this one about John Mayer? Is this one about <laughs> Ed Sheeran? Like right. who she didn't even date. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's a shame. Cause like I get sucked into it as an honest to goodness fan of her music. Yeah. But also I, I just, I find tabloid um, news to be, to be kind of sickly entertaining. Let's, let's do some guesses here. Who do you think she'll date next? Colin Sweets. <laughs> she'll date Colin oh, Sweets. Taken. Oh, no longer a bachelor. Damn it. Uh, who do you think she'll date next, and who do you want her to date next? And neither of the answers can be Colin Sweets. Right, right. No, you want me to talk about famous people. Yeah. Okay, so what's the classic, what's the next step after someone like Calvin Harris, who looks like an Adonis, is right. worth scads of money, 
is extremely successful in his line, and that might be part of the problem with their relationship, is that the two of them were just at the top of their game, and how could they possibly both be that? Right. She needs to date somebody funny. She's, I think she's she never done it. She's only, she dates like she ever she dated Jake Gyllenhaal, so she has dated an actor, but like mostly they're people they're guys who take themselves very seriously. Kind of heartthrobs in yeah. most cases, except for like maybe Ed Sheeran, but he's kind of a heartthrob because of how they, he did, they didn't date. They were just buddies. Oh, really? They were okay. rumored to have dated because right. they were buddies. Sure. God forbid a guy and a girl be friends. Okay, so let's go. I think the person needs to be funny, but definitely because she likes handsome men, it has to be right. like. Funny and kind of nerdy. <laughs> I hope she just dates like Jay Baruchel or something. Oh, that would can you imagine? That would make my life. <laughs> that would make every Canadian boy's life. You're right. I'd yeah. be so happy for him. Right. Yeah. Some, that would be great. That's a good. She should date next answer. Right. And who will she date next? I mean, it's gonna, just going to be. It's probably going to be somebody slightly less famous than her, but in the same circle. Right. You know, somebody who's just unbelievably good looking. Who's like a who's like a rising star right now. Oh, like Michael B. Jordan or something. Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be good. Yeah, that'd be all right. I th- I'm I'm coming up with some good answers here. You I are. Like that. You are. Maybe I'm I'm just too close to the situation. I think so. <laughs> it would break your heart to say anyone. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> I feel I feel like I can openly talk about Taylor Swift and my affection for her because like she's on the table. And sure. like uh, Becky feels that way about Justin Timberlake. Oh, really? Yeah. So we were, <laughs> we were joking the other day. Um, this really funny thing happened where this guy was like following Becky around the grocery store. Oh, stalking's not funny. Um, but he was like <laughs> <laughs> he was like talking to her and like being kind of weird. And he had a skateboard and he was just lame. And then she starts to walk home from the grocery store and he like keeps following her. And so now uh, it's like okay. not it's not cool. Right. And uh, so he comes up to her and I swear to God, this is his line. Uh, you text (laughs) (laughs) like as if like like finding someone who texts would mean like ah she's the one so the biggest (laughs) burn there is her saying no i don't text because obviously she does text no but she just doesn't want to she says yeah actually i'm texting my boyfriend nice she was texting like that's Uh, the other thing is that he says you text while she's texting (laughs) oh so i was like oh i see you text huh yeah and so he like he says, like, he has his phone, and he's like, oh, I was going to get you to... Mia, stop it. Stop it. He has his phone open to a contact thing. Like, he'd already readied his phone to put a new contact this in. This is going to work. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I was going to get your number. And she's like, no, I have a boyfriend. He's like, oh, okay. And then he, then he fucked off, so not yeah, a big sure. deal or whatever. But I was, like, making fun of her all night, obviously. <laughs> Did text? She yeah. couldn't pull out her phone without you saying that? No, no way. Who's that? Is that uh, skateboardy McSkater thing? <laughs> um, and so she said, like... Skater boy. Yeah, is a skater boy. And so then later on the radio, the new Timberlake song came on. Right. And she's like, just for the record, like, if that guy had been Justin Timberlake, I would have given him my number. Right. And I was like, okay, I understand that. I understand. But then I got a little pouty. And she's like, and she's like, she's like, but like, I would. Well, it seems a little unnecessary for her to say. <laughs> I know. I was like, that's that's now number one on the list of obvious things I didn't need to be reminded of. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. No. And uh, and uh, she's then she kind of made it up. She's like, uh, but then I, I gave him your number as well, so we could all be best friends. And I was like, oh, oh good save. Ah, damn it! If that doesn't yeah. sound like lots of fun, because that's what Justin Timberlake <laughs> would want. Hey. I have your number so we can be best friends together. The cat just opened a door on her own. Beats' cat has officially mastered the art of opening a, like, folding door. I would have let her go in there, except, it, like, I feel like the acoustics are better with that door closed. Yeah. 
we'll might find just out be in my head we'll Whatever. find out when episode three gets released <laughs> yeah. if the sound just got worse blame it on the cat maybe that's who's disconnecting the recording so what we need to do is set up becky with justin timberlake even though he's married and has a child with jessica biel okay and uh we gotta we don't have to do anything with taylor swift because she's already on the market yeah so wait, are you saying we need to split up Jessica Biel and Justin Timberlake? No, I don't feel like that's necessary. Like, they're still good company. Yeah, you just want friendship. Yeah, no, that'd be like, great. You don't need Becky hooking up with Justin Timberlake. Right, no, I can be in the friend zone with uh, with Taylor Swift. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yep, MS. I know, I hate my initials. <laughs> that's too bad. Uh, I, MS, and guess what my astrological sign is? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Cancer. Oh, and you and you got diabetes from it all. I got diabetes. You didn't even get the right one. My name is Matthew Lewis Diabetes Claversley. <laughs> Claver. Oh yeah. Yeah, I guess I knew that. Yeah. Where does that come from? It's my uh, dad's dad's name. All right. All right. Is that the show? <laughs> I think, I think Bye. Once, once we got to your middle name. <laughs> That's when we officially ran out of steam. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, where'd that come from? Yeah, once we got to your middle name, I think the show kind of died. Oh god, did we lose our one listener on this podcast? Uh, please, listener, we need you so much. <sighs> we only need one listener to not get kicked off iTunes. You're the only thing we care about. Uh, or viewer, maybe we have a viewer this time. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> I forgot about the GoPro. The GoPro's going. Uh, well, at least Mia opening the door. Has been created some film. animation for the show. <laughs> Maybe you should open that on YouTube. Oh, I'll put it up on YouTube. Perfect. All right. So our sign-offs include never go outside and never trust Will Smith. <laughs> never trust Will Smith. Never. He's, around he's a cat, and, and, and cats can open doors if only you <laughs> He's a cat, and cats can open doors. <laughs> Bye. Bye.